One topic I've covered a lot on this show is my experience as a sleepwalker. And I've been talking a lot recently about my journey to figure out my neurodivergence, to embrace it, to explore getting evaluated, diagnosed. I've talked a lot about therapy and mental health and all of these things are interconnected because they all have to do with my brain. And a few years ago, I just felt more determined to, to figure this out, to try to remove the guesswork because my sleep disorder is something that I've noticed um, since I was a teenager. I recall having some sleepwalking instances when I was a little girl, but it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Maybe I just wasn't aware. And then over time in life, I, as my awareness grew or maybe my brain changed, I'm not sure, it became something that I wanted to figure out. And so I started doing a lot of research and there wasn't a lot of information about sleep disorders in general or parasomnias very specifically, which is a term for sleepwalking and a few other things. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, so I won't get into further detail about it, but um, I really had to start pressing the medical system to try to get some answers. And that led me down this path of going to a sleep medicine doctor, which I did mention very briefly. I didn't have a ton of experience with them yet. I have a follow-up appointment coming up soon. Mostly what the sleep medicine doctor said is that I should try medication. And that was the topic of the episode a few weeks ago in which the medication they prescribed to me felt a bit unsafe or outside of my comfort level, as well as something that I was interested in, in using long-term. And, and through the work with my therapist, there's been a lot of encouragement to get into the emotional side of it and not depend on a medication. But that's tricky with my parasomnia symptoms, which highly in, involves sleepwalking and times in which I've been afraid of harming myself. I've been afraid of falling down the stairs, of leaving my home. One one day I opened up a window and leaned out over it over my sleep or in my sleep. <laughs> and when I realized what I had done, it felt really scary because if I had just leaned out a little bit farther, I could have fallen out the window, probably wouldn't have survived or, or at least would have been very badly injured. And that's terrifying when you can't control your body that way. Um, and then add on top of that, my exploration around neurodivergence and recognizing how differently I think and operate in this world. It's just felt like a big mystery that I want to solve. So I ended up going to a neurologist and they performed some tests on me. Uh, the first recommendation was to get an MRI to see if there was anything major happening in my brain. And that was a really cool experience. I, I mentioned it at least briefly in a previous episode. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed it, even though it's a little uncomfortable with an MRI, you go in this big loud machine and you just sit there. You have to be perfectly still while the machine makes all these crazy sounds. And I, I just kind of put myself in a meditation during the process and, and tried to find it interesting, which I did. And I guess to my relief, but also frustration, the results turned out inconclusive. And 
that was similar to an experience I had previously at a sleep study. So I skipped over that, but in, I think it was the end of 2021, probably December, 2021, I went in to get, um, to have an official sleep study. And I also believe there's an episode on that. I've covered each of these moments and I'm going to cover something new, but trying to set it all up for context. Uh, at the sleep study that I did, it wasn't great <laughs> because most sleep studies, it seems like they're testing for sleep apnea, which I don't have symptoms of and found out that I don't have, at least according to that sleep study. And I went in there and they hooked me up with all these wires on my head and my the rest of my body. I think my hands uh, had them too. And it was really challenging because I was out of the comfort of my home. I'm in some sterile room and I had this nurse coming in and out of the room off and on all night. And then the sleep study ended around 6 a.m. I think I got there pretty late, like 9 or 10 p.m. And I didn't really fall asleep till I think after midnight and then was woken up over and over again. So I got less than six hours of sleep and I was so out of my comfort zone. I, I, my brain didn't really exhibit the traits that I experienced at home. And I remember leaving there thinking, how are they going to determine anything based on a study like that? So that's why I did the MRI. And then I also did an EEG, which stands for, let me see if I can get this right, electroencephalogram, encephalogram, something like that. EEG that measures and records the electrical activity in your brain. And the first one I did was in the neurologist's office and they hooked up a few wires on my head and I sat in a chair for 15 minutes and then that was all. And I thought, well, how is this going to figure out my, my sleep stuff? I'm not sleeping. It's the middle of the day. It's a 15 minute long period. I, I felt perplexed about what the point of that test was, but I did it anyways. And the results came back similar to the MRI and the sleep study. They, all three tests basically said, we don't see anything wrong, but I guess that's ruling out things, right? That ruled out sleep apnea that ruled out anything major going on in my brain, I guess, like a, all sorts of things, injuries or God forbid, tumors or whatever else could have been in there. Like they didn't find anything like that, which is good. Uh, but I still know that there's something going on for me to have been sleepwalking for all these years, at least since I was a teenager and off and on since I was a little girl, there's something happening that's causing it. And what I don't know yet is that all emotional, like my therapist wonders, is there some sort of um, trauma there? Is it that I have anxiety as I've talked about in previous episodes? Is it stress? You know, what is it? And unfortunately, when it comes to emotional things, you can't really read those with the machine. But I wanted to do one last try. And that was to get a 72-hour EEG. So also EEG, just like the first one I described, I, I don't know all the categories, but this one is called an ambulatory EEG. And this is a recording over a period of a few days at your home. So some people have these types of, or have EEGs in a hospital, but I believe an ambulatory 
is almost always done at home. And today I have all these wires hooked up on my head. I'm recording this episode live with video in the Beyond Measure community. So if you're interested in seeing the video version of this episode, I invite you into Beyond Measure. It is a free private community that anyone can join. You can come watch the episodes live as I'm recording them, or you can watch the replays. And today I've been wearing a hat over my head to cover it up because I look a little bit like a mummy on the top of my head. I have all these bandages wrapped around to cover up all these wires. The wires go back behind my head and there's, <laughs> this thing really bothers me. Not, it's not, a, I'll, I'll describe the experience in some more detail, but there's this really weird wrapped up bunch of cords and that leads down to this little device um, which just to describe it for those that aren't looking at the recording it's like I don't know it looks like a giant iPhone I guess and it has a strap on it that I wear around my shoulders so I can carry this around and I can sleep with it and then I also have a video monitor I don't know if all ambulatory EEGs have this, but I have the video component as well, which is really interesting. I'm having a 24 hour or 24, I guess, ongoing video recording. So right now this is recording everything I do. I have to carry this box around and, and to describe it visually, it kind of looks like a, a really thick, small version of an iPad with a screen and a camera and night vision lights on it. I mean, the first thing I'll say is it's been really interesting. I have not had a lot of medical needs in my life. I've been in the hospital for some surgeries when I was a little kid. Um, so I've experienced anesthesia a number of times. I've been, I've experienced various hospital uh, occasions, I guess, doctor's office, but it's always felt like pretty minimal, not very invasive. This is probably the first time in my life I've had something invasive. I've never even had a cast, knock on wood. I broke my toe last year. That was the first broken bone I've ever had. I just haven't had a lot of things that have, you know, impacted my life for, for more than a few hours. And I think that in itself is a privilege. So it's been humbling. It's been interesting. It's been slightly uncomfortable, but I did a lot of mental prep. I knew that this was coming and I had these moments of wondering, was this even worth it? And so I want to share with you some more of the journey, but first let me address a few comments and questions that have come in from the live chat in Beyond Measure. Um, so one of the members said, uh, mentioned the the term sleep hygiene. And actually that was the subject of a, a very recent episode. I had this woman from this website called Sleep Advisor come on the show. Her name is Jill. She talks about sleep hygiene. And I mentioned that episode, I feel like I've tried every sleep hygiene tip out there. And that's been part of the frustration is trying so many things and yet still having the same results. I think that's, that's one of the themes here is that ongoing frustration when you're trying so hard 
to address something and it's not shifting or changing. I will say a huge, the, the thing that's probably impacted me the most. And when I say huge, it's relative, but my most recent success has been taking melatonin every night before I go to bed. Um, in previous episodes, I mentioned I've, I've been prescribed by doctors, two different types of medications, but I didn't really want to take them. There were side effects and some concerns with them. My psychiatrist said that taking melatonin as a supplement could be another avenue for me. And I have found success. Taking melatonin has increased my REM sleep and my deep sleep. I don't, I can't remember if that's slow wave sleep or not. Um, I get some of those terms mixed up, but uh, it has through my tracking device called the Whoop, which I'll link to if you're curious. I, I've loved this. I've been using this Whoop device for about four or five months. And I use this to track my sleep every night and journal. It has an app that allows you to journal like all the variables. And so I essentially have been doing my own sleep studies every night for the past four or five months. And I notice when I take melatonin, that really impacts it. So I am able to address the sleep hygiene, um, but those are very minor changes. Um, and then something else that was mentioned in the, the chat is how there are um, other people that have documented sleepwalking. And what I've discovered over my research is there's different types of sleepwalking. Um, I, <laughs> I have luckily never done anything super severe, but it's, it to me is that concern of a matter of time. Like, is it just that it hasn't happened yet? the most extreme things I've done is walked out of my home and, and been like in, in my backyard. Um, I've walked downstairs. Like I, I've done some weird things at friends' homes. I've, I've had experiences of waking up screaming. I did that at my sister's place last year and, you know, in the middle of the night screaming at the top of my lungs. It's terrifying. It's embarrassing. Those are my experiences and I've lumped them into sleepwalking. The better term would probably be parasomnia but I don't have the sleepwalking that is a little bit more classically known where I'll do things and I don't have memory of it. So I usually remember my sleepwalking episodes and they're also very short. They only last about say 30 to 60 seconds. And I know that because of all of the uh, recordings I've done. I've used night vision cameras. I've used audio recordings to capture my talking and my movements. I make, I, I this has just been, I could make this my full-time job to try to figure this out. <laughs> um, and so this ambulatory EEG and the video are, are part of that, that testing. And I'm doing it with the help of doctors now, which is the biggest difference. I think in the past, I was afraid of costs. I was afraid of time. I was afraid being told that everything was fine. I was being afraid of take, I was afraid of taking medicine in the past. It's very recent that I opened up, um, a willingness to take it. And I think it's because nothing else seems to be working aside from fortunately the melatonin. Um, but I think that process of like knowing that there's something going on with you and not getting answers or not getting the support you need or, or it being a mystery, being inconclusive, that can feel really, really tough. Um, so I decided to try this 72 hour 
EEG test. And I'll explain what was involved and what the process has been like. I'm, I'm only on like hour, I can tell you, the video camera tells me exactly how long it's been. It's been 19 hours and 13 minutes so far out of 72. So I, I still got a way to go. There will likely be a follow-up episode in which I tell you the results, if any. I am afraid that after all of this, they're still going to tell me that they couldn't figure out what's going on. That is a big fear of mine, but I'm, I'm willing to hear it. I don't, I, you don't have a choice, right? Like the doctors can only do so much and doctors can only understand so much. I think that's been another big lesson is that we're still pretty early on in our medical system and history. There's a lot of mysteries in the human body. There are a lot of unknowns. We have a long way to go to understand how our emotions tie into things. There's still a lot of ignorance around neurodivergence. You know, the fact that I can barely clarify like what's going on and how I think differently, that in itself could be a big part of this puzzle. Um, through my research on ADHD and autism and other forms of neurodivergence, I found sleep issues are very common. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but one of the bigger motivations for me trying to get a hold of this or understand what I'm going through is because I have a family history of Parkinson's disease, which is a neuro neurodegenerative, I think is the term, or neurogenerative. I'm not sure. I, oh, those big words confuse me, but um, most people are familiar with Parkinson's. It, it usually involves tremors, uh, challenges with speaking, um, memory issues, and sleep is a huge component. And through my research of my symptoms, I often come across articles that say that sleepwalking is very commonly a precursor to Parkinson's. And that's really scary. Because today I was researching this and thinking, wow, like what if I'm destined to get Parkinson's? Is there anything I can do about it? You know, I've tried researching that too. And so far there's not a lot of data about preventing it. And, and then part of me thinks, well, I guess there's no way to know for sure if I'm going to get Parkinson's, but what if I could live my life with that awareness, that possibility and take advantage of how my body is today, right? Like, I think all of this testing is not only trying to lead me to some answers, but it's giving me clarity and inspiration for savoring the moment, appreciating my body today. I'm fortunate that the sleep issues are truly about sleep and they're not really interfering with the rest of my life. But sleep is a huge component, right? I mean, on average, we spend seven to nine hours of sleep each night. Like that's a huge chunk of our days and our, our whole lives. And they play a big role in our physical, mental, emotional health. So it's important for us to un understand sleep the best we can. So let me go back in detail what this is like, because I wish I had known more about what this EEG process would be like. I don't know if it's just the neurologist's office that I went to, but they were not the most put together, well-organized uh, or, or phenomenally, um, I don't even know how to say this. I, they weren't great communicators. <laughs> so it's been a long process trying to even get this device put on my body. Um, so it's a relief to have made it happen. 
I started off again by doing the MRI and, and the, the 15 minute EEG in the office. Once I got the results, then I, they recommended this and I had to wait for approval through my insurance. So I was just waiting and waiting, finally got the approval and then, um, or the referral, whatever it's called. And, and then I had to schedule it and they were scheduling, I think like a month out or so. So it's been months leading up to this. And I was a little hesitant about it. I, I kept wondering, should I do this? Should I move forward with it? But there was part of me that just said, just try it. Even though it's a hassle and even though I'm afraid it's going to be inconclusive, I'm going to do it anyways. And that was a big obstacle to get over. Then I find out that in order to get this properly put on me, I was going to have to go out to an office in the other, practically the other side of town. And I live in Los Angeles, big city spread out. And the only appointments they had was on a Friday afternoon. And in Los Angeles, Friday traffic tends to be really bad, but they didn't present me with other options. And I wanted to get this done as soon as possible. So I said, okay. And that was this past Friday. I was recording a podcast episode and the timing was all screwy. I didn't, I, I didn't quite calculate it right. So I had to leave the podcast early and I was just in this big rush. I, I tried to pack everything together. I'm like, all right, I don't know, even know how long this is going to take. They didn't tell me that they barely told me anything. The one advice that the neurologist's office gave me was to take a shower because with a 72 hour ambulatory EEG, uh, you can't wash your hair or even like wash much of your face. You can't get anything wet. So <laughs> took a shower, dried my hair, put on some comfortable clothing. I wasn't even sure what to wear. Um, turns out that didn't matter so much. Although it, if you want, you can wear like a button down shirt. Um, so it's easier to take your, your shirts off and on. Cause having this thing on my head and my side is, is a lot. And I just brought some stuff to do. I didn't know if I could read or watch anything or do anything on my computer. Um, so <laughs> you know, there was a lot of unknowns, but I packed it all just in case. And I drive out, of course, in bumper to bumper traffic. I'm running late at this point. I don't even know what the parking situation is. Like that stuff stresses me out. But I made it there right on time. And there was a parking space right in front of the building which is essentially on the outskirts of downtown Los Angeles. And I get out of my car, walk into the office and the woman working there looks up at me and goes, Oh, Whitney, you know, I've been trying to get a hold of you. And I was like, "Uh Oh, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> and she says, the technician isn't available at this office today. You're going to have to go somewhere else. And I have this one of like, oh no, oh no, okay, this is, I just been so stressed out getting here. And I looked at my phone and I had a missed call from her, but because of all my rushing around and my phone settings, I missed her call. So I, she called me like 45 minutes before the appointment. And she says, don't worry that the, the other location's only 12 minutes away. I said, all right. So I plug it into my phone. It's not 12 minutes away. It's 30 minutes away. And I tell her that is it okay that, you know, I'm going to, my appointments right now and I'm not going to get there till two o'clock. And she goes, Oh, and, and she calls up her manager and tells them that. And, and then something happened and suddenly she went, that's not going to work. 
can we reschedule for you for Monday? And I said, uh, I really rather not. I just drove 45 minutes here. I planned my whole schedule around this. I thought I was going to get all the stuff taken off of me today on Monday, the day that I'm recording this. I didn't want to record a podcast with all the stuff on me. Um, and she said, I'm so sorry. You know, there's a whole mess up in our system and the technician on and on. And this is where my neurodivergence comes into play. When something changes last minute that I'm not expecting, my brain goes into a little bit of a meltdown. I really struggle and I go into a state of panic. I can't think clearly. I get really upset and emotional. And I was trying to like pull myself together um, and just feeling so frustrated after everything I've described to you, all these tests, all these office visits, all the scheduling and just getting to the office was a lot for me. And to be told it was going to need to be rescheduled was not the news I wanted to hear. Well, then she offers to do a 30-minute EEG instead. And I said, no, you know, I've been planning it for the 72-hour one. I need it for my sleep. Like, I, I need to do this test. Is there any way we can make it happen this weekend? And after lots of discussion and practically begging, meanwhile, I'm, I can't help it. I'm starting to cry at this point. I'm trying not to have a full meltdown, but like, that's just how I react in those situations. Like my, I just can't hold back tears of frustration. And so I, I don't, I'm trying to be kind and I'm trying to be composed. And I, I don't know if that, that helped that she saw how emotional I was getting. She finally talked to her manager and they found a workaround for me, not the one I was expecting. So they weren't able to see me on Friday, meaning I had driven to this office 45 minutes. I had to still go home and having to completely change my schedule around. Um, they offered as an alternative to have someone come to my home and do this in person. I mean, not in person, do this in the comfort of my home, which I, I didn't even know was an option. I thought I had to go to an office. So suddenly they're presenting me with something different, but that difference was a lot better than driving back to the office on a different day. So I, I said, yes. And because of how disorganized the office was, I thought this is probably not going to work out. Like I bet you anything they're going to cancel on me, but lo and behold on Saturday, I, I, got a text message, which is my preferred way of communicating from the technician who said he would come to my home on Sunday at 7 PM, get me all hooked up. And I thought, all right, I'll say yes, but I still don't know if this is going to work out and I don't want to have another emotional meltdown. And I, I don't want to get, you know, I just didn't want to get my hopes up and, and be disappointed again. Cause it's, it's really hard for me, you know, as, as, somebody else can relate to in the beyond measure chat, you know, when things change suddenly as a neurodivergent person, it's really hard. It's one of the classic symptoms of neurodivergence, especially autism. Um, and that's why I use the term meltdown too. If it, I think I've learned to control it for better or for worse, um, because it's hard for me to identify when I'm having a meltdown because I feel so controlled, but 
I imagine that that's what my meltdowns are is like my body starts to shut down. Like I can't think straight. I feel super emotional. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I feel deep sadness, like all of this stuff, just like, it's really intense. And I don't want to go through that again with the same office, but the good news is the technician showed up last night, Sunday night. He was very nice. He gave me some information, told me again, make sure I took my shower, uh, make sure I had an area um, set up in my home for, for the application there, the, the process. So I cleared a table and had some chairs and I just sat in that chair for, it took about a little over an hour. He had told me that too, it was about a 90 minute from beginning to end from when he showed up to when he left. I made sure that the chair was really comfortable. I brought like a, a seat cushion and a way to put up my legs. And I had my iPad and my computer, my phone and a snack and, and drink on the table because I wasn't going to be able to move for an hour and a half. So <laughs> fortunately, I was able to use my computer the whole time and I had some work I wanted to get done. So I just sat there and worked and he put on all these electrodes onto my head. If you've never had these like a, from a sleep study EEG, they have to put this like gooey stuff in your hair. And because I had had multiple, actually the, the other EEG in the office, I don't know if they put that stuff in my hair. I can't remember what that was like, but the sleep study for sure. It's like this, this thick, creamy gel stuff. And they, I guess like they put it on these electrodes and that's how they stick to your head. And that is super itchy and uncomfortable for me. Um, the itchiness comes and goes, but th that's probably the most uncomfortable side of it for me. And then he wrapped my head up. And again, if you're, if you don't see the visual, it really looks like the top of my head is like a mummy. Um, and one of the beyond measure members in the chat said, I'm, I'm like a 72 hour mummy. It's not my whole body, just my head, but it also kind of looks like, um, I hope I get this term right. A do rag. Um, I don't even know how to, to spell that properly. This is Yep. It's D-U-R-A-G. I thought it was D-O space R-A-G. Uh, but I guess there's some different spellings for it. And um, it's a, typically a headscarf that men wear uh, that's a close, cl a close fitting cloth that goes around the head. And it has oftentimes like, um, like uh, more material coming off the back. That's, that's the closest... If you want to look it up and you're not watching the video, that's that's what this looks like, like a white do-rag on me. And I can't even tie my hair or anything because of all the wires there. And the wires come down and they're also wrapped in cloth, like I said earlier, that lead to the first the attachment that I have to wear around. And that goes in the strap around my body and I have to take it everywhere with me. I'm, there's no way to take this off or disconnect to the electrodes. It's got to monitor me continuously for up to 72 hours. Um, the other interesting thing is an ambulatory EEG can range from like 60 something hours to 72. So I don't even know exactly when this is coming off. That's hard for me too. How do I plan my life? And I find that really fascinating. And now I'm extra curious if this is true of the medical system in other ways. The fact that they didn't give me a lot of information, how am I supposed to plan? Like, how do you know what clothes to wear? 
Um, if they hadn't told me about the shower, I could have shown up and expected to be able to shower and and then had really dirty hair for 72 hours. Like that's frustrating. And I don't know if that's a neurodivergent thing where I like to be prepared. I like to have all the information. I don't like unexpected things. And I need that for emotional stability. But I imagine that neurotypical people would like to know, especially for a schedule, how many people are comfortable wearing this around? How are you supposed to make any plans for grocery shopping, going out to eat, spending time with friends or family? Or if you're like me, I, I work on camera. I'm recording right now. If I weren't, if Beyond Measure wasn't based on true acceptance and no judgment, like this could be really embarrassing, right? I, I'm not sure how many people would want to be on camera looking like this. I had a meeting today, an unexpected meeting. That was really awkward to show up. I had to tell this person I had never spoken to before, hey, by the way, I'm going to show up with a special hat on my head to cover up all the wire. You know, like it was so awkward. Luckily, the person is very understanding. I have to record a podcast tomorrow that's with a professional client and I haven't even told them yet. I'm afraid to tell them in advance. I don't want them to cancel, you know. I wasn't expecting to be looking like this this week. I thought it was going to be all taken care of earlier. Um, but that's okay because it's will it's worth it. It's worth the process for me. But I, I just keep wondering, like, how would other people react to this? What would other people do? Would they cancel everything and just stay home? Um, so it's it's fascinating these questions and also like having a video camera with you. Luckily they said, I don't have to bring it out when I leave the home. I'm only going to use it at home. Um, I'm going out to dinner tonight and I guess I'll just wear this hat and look a little out of the ordinary at dinner, but I'm, I'm not going to bring the video camera. I'm, I'm looking forward to some time away from my continuous <laughs> recording stream. But I imagine too, like for, I'm so comfortable in front of the camera. I've been doing on camera work most of my life. What about somebody who's never done that? Like, wouldn't that be super awkward? <laughs> like, how does the average person feel comfortable being recorded continuously? Uh, so it, it it's kind of opened my eyes to like the oddities of our medical system. And like I said, what if all of this all of this inconvenience is not even worth it if at the end of the day they still can't figure out why. I have my parasomnia. Now, let me address that specifically because the main purpose of all this for me is to track what's going on in my brain while I'm sleeping. And last night I decided to not take any melatonin. Uh, I didn't take any supplements like I, I often do. I often take magnesium before I go to bed, like anything to relax me. I wanted to be as close to my natural state as possible. <laughs> and it was really interesting. My brain was kind of like working with me in a fascinating way. I got in bed and it was a little hard for me to fall asleep because I'm used to taking melatonin. That that really helps me get tired. But without the supplement, I was just kind of laying there with all these wires in my head. Um, it was pretty comfortable, by the way. You take this pack um, and this little like battery pack and you can put it next to you or 
underneath your pillow or wherever you want. So, so that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And the wires that are coming up from my head to my side, or you, you can kind of maneuver the, the wiring around, um, to be up by your shoulder if you want. So that, that was not a problem. It wasn't uncomfortable aside from the itchiness and then the, the bandages, the mummification of my head felt a little tight, but I think I've gotten used to it. Then I had to figure out the right placement for the video camera, um, next to my bed. <laughs> um, but once I got all that figured out and finally fell asleep, I was thrilled to have a sleep episode. Like I, I was like praying that I would have a sleep episode, which is the exact opposite of most nights where I'm like crossing my fingers. I make it another night without a sleep, a sleepwalking incident or whatever I do. Last night, it was like my brain was, was, and I were, were uh, working together <laughs> and I willed myself to have an episode, but it was really weird because, um, Sometimes I remember the sleep episodes very clearly, like I know exactly what I did. And other times it's very fuzzy, like I know I had an episode, but I don't know what I did. So I don't know. It was somewhere in between for me last night, but I know it happened. I I, I woke up in some sort of a panic. This is very common for me. Um, I remember like thinking that I pulled the electrodes off my head. So I was like, oh, just an in the middle of the night, kind of having like a little anxiety attack or something. And I was thrilled. I'm like, it got on camera. The doctors can finally see it. <laughs> and maybe the electrodes are going to pick it up in the brain activity. And I wish I could instantly see the results. Um, but who knows? Like, it's possible that the doctors are going to say, well, that was a little weird, but there's something we can do about it. Um, I don't know. We'll see. So that's kind of the beginning. That's the point up to now. I, I woke up and I moved about my day, bringing this weird pack around, having meetings, doing this recording, you know, trying to get dressed has been a little challenging because this weird kind of string of cords, like it's really awkward to change. I, I But I don't really have a lot of buttoned up clothing. So basically with, with the shirt I'm wearing right now, I put it over the wire. So they're like, the wires are feeding back from my hair underneath the shirt and then back out again near my hips. I guess that's fine. Probably better than the wires just hanging around in my back. <laughs> I feel like I don't even know what reference I would use. Like, it's just weird to have all these cords, <laughs> you know? Um, and then uh, I guess just trying to go about my day business as usual as much as possible, trying not to think about it too much. They're supposed to take all of this off my head on Wednesday night, but the technician said that on Wednesday morning, I could start taking the wires off myself. I feel a little weird about doing that, but if Wednesday morning comes around and I'm sick of wearing this, I'm, I might. So to be continued with that. And um, one of the Beyond members said that if I hadn't said anything, they would have assumed the hat was a fashion choice. So that's good. Yeah, I think luckily I look, I'm wearing like a beanie for those that aren't watching the video. And luckily I had a beanie. I remember panicking too. I'm like, what am I going to wear? I can't, I don't think this would fit underneath a baseball hat. It's a little thick, all the wires. I might try. I haven't tried that yet. But when I'm recording the podcast with the headphones, I guess I can take these off for a little bit. Um, the the beanie is a good choice for the headphones. It's just 
you, if you look on the sides, like you can see the bandages on the back of my head and then the wires coming down. I do have some wires on my chest. So these stand out a lot. And if I wanted to, I just need to wear a shirt that goes up a little higher, almost like a turtleneck or like, that's probably what I'll wear to dinner. Cause I just feel self-conscious. Even if other people don't care, I, I care. And it's frustrating too, to not be able to uh, tie my hair. I need like a hair clip, which I don't think I have a hair clip. It's not usually my style, but I just, you know, it, it's more that out of the ordinary feeling of things feel off and different and that in itself is uncomfortable. It's, it's not necessarily physically uncomfortable. It's emotionally uncomfortable. And the whole process has been very emotionally uncomfortable for me, but I'm trying to stay in a place of hope and positivity and gratitude and taking it day by day. And I don't know, there's times where I wonder, will I ever get answers to my sleep disorder or is this just my life? And I think many people have to live that way with not having answers and feeling like a bit of a mystery. And, and sometimes that can lead to a lot of sadness and frustration to have to struggle with something that nobody can figure out or solve or help you with. It can feel really lonely and isolating. Unfortunately, I don't feel that way most times. Most times I feel like I'm used to it. Um, and it just takes explanation. And I, I think the more I learn about disability too, the more I realize like there's a privilege to not have to explain yourself or to choose not to explain yourself. But for me, every time I sleep somewhere outside my home, I have to tell people about my sleep disorder. And every time I'm met with, with weird looks, not, not necessarily mean, but people are confused and often curious, but some people are scared. I, years ago, my cousin came over to spend the night and we were sleeping in the same room. I said, hey, by the way, if I yell out in the middle of the night or I get up and start walking around the room, like, don't worry, like, I'm just sleepwalking. It's not a big deal. And she was scared. She had trouble sleeping because she was afraid that she was going to see me walking around in the dark, you know, and I get it. It's creepy. I probably wouldn't sleep well either. And, you know, that's hard. That's something I've been dealing with for so long. And I have just, it's kind of interesting to finally address something that I've, I've kind of gotten used to, but it's not like I, I've gotten used to it, that it doesn't bother me. It's just, I'm used to being bothered. I'm used to being uncomfortable. I'm used to feeling embarrassed. I'm used to being somebody that people are confused by, or, you know, um, I'm used to people being shocked when I tell them about my sleep stuff. But part of me is like, what if I could figure it out? So I wouldn't have to do that anymore. I think that's, that's why I got the EEG. It's like, there's a little sliver of hope that maybe it'll be an answer. And maybe I can have some peace that I haven't had for most of my life. And I think we all deserve that hope at least. It's worth a try if we can. And want to bring you along the way as I always do. So at some point, whether it's next week or a few weeks out, I don't know when I'll get my results. So it might take some time for me to give an update. 
that's another unfortunate side of the medical system. It's I went through this with my allergist too. This is another side update. I got the results back from allergy tests and as expected, none of the allergy tests pick up my food intolerances. So um, luckily I'm not actually allergic to anything except for dust mites. So now I have another obstacle of trying to figure out how to reduce my uh, dust mite allergies, which I guess is something I've been struggling with my whole life and didn't even know. I mean, it's kind of shocking to go your whole life and find out, oh, you didn't know that you were allergic to this? Yeah, that's why every morning you wake up sniffling and sneezing. And what if the dust mites are the reason I have sleep issues? Who knows? Another piece of the puzzle. But I bring up the allergists also because I got my allergy tests, I think, almost two months ago, and I just got my results last week. It took so long for them to interpret my results and to schedule the appointment. And I felt found the same thing with MRI and the sleep study, like this all takes so long. So it could very well be a month until I have an update, but I will keep you posted if you're curious. And if you have ever, if you ever have questions about EEGs, uh, please let me know. I'm not an expert, but I can certainly give you some tips and perspective and let you know you're not alone and maybe help you prepare um, and um, also, if you need help navigating things and you're neurodivergent like I am, that's something I'm, I'm learning more and more about and happy to share those experiences and how I navigate the emotional obstacles when it comes to frustrating experiences like this with the medical system and with life in general. You know, um, I've learned a lot of coping tactics and... I'm happy to put those out there whenever I can. And I want to learn from you too. Like I said, I'm not an expert. This is all kind of new to me and you play a role in that too. So if you ever want to share, the best place to do that is in Beyond Measure. I would absolutely love to have you in the live recordings, which I'm currently doing every Monday. Everybody's welcome. There's a great group of people who join. We spend 20 to 30 minutes um, in the first part of of our time block together, um, chatting, having conversations, getting to know each other, sharing life updates, playing games sometimes. We've done that the last few recordings. It's been really fun. So there's like a pre-show portion that you can come join for a sense of community. And then I record these episodes. Um, and they're, they're turning into 90 minute blocks. So I might extend it. Generally, it's been an hour long block. Some people leave early, but um, I think I might extend it into a 90 minute session. So we have time to hang out and get to know each other and connect before I do the recordings. And then wonderful people stick around during the recordings and put things in the chat. They have questions, suggestions, input. If that sounds like something you'd like to do, use the link in the description of this podcast episode. You might have to click see more or expand the description. There'll be a link to Beyond Measure. It is free to join. It's a beautiful community of amazing people. And that's where we get to have these deep, open, honest, raw conversations. And it's not just me talking to you. It's you engaging with me and other people. And it's a big source of joy. So with that said, I'll wrap up today's episode. I will put links to things I've mentioned. I mentioned my Whoop band. If you're curious about that, that'll be linked in the resource section. 
Um, I don't remember what else I mentioned, but I'll go through the transcript and, and put in any relevant things in there for you. And uh, to be continued. In the meantime, there will be a guest episode coming up this Friday, as, as is the case every Friday, trying to bring on all sorts of different people. Um, I'm trying to bring on more sleep experts, so stay tuned for that. I have to do a lot of work <laughs> to find them, but uh, that's happening behind the scenes. And then I'll be back again for one of these live recordings in Beyond Measure next Monday. And if you are interested in coming to join, I would love to see you there. Thanks again to everyone. Wishing you all the very best with whatever obstacles you're working through in your life, because I know we all have them. And if you ever want to share them with me, I'm, I'm here to listen, just like you are there to listen to me. Bye for now.